Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm GFX and X-Series cameras and the photographers who use them. I'm your host, Mark Sadowski, and this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series GFX, head on over to Fujilove.com. Joining us this week, I'd like to introduce Angela Douglas Ramsey. Angela is a phenomenal documentary-style photographer, would you say, Angela? Yeah, definitely. A little bit of fine art these days, too. You have... uh, So, you are one of the brand-new Fujifilm uh, ex-creatives on representing Fujifilm, and... I would say out of everybody who is listed as the the new creatives, you have probably one of the most interesting and uh, most storytelling ish <laughs> <laughs> uh, portfolios that and that really caught my attention. And I, I absolutely had to get you on the podcast to to talk about your style, your your. Um, your projects, your your uh, the the photos that you've been working on, it, it is just an amazing group of photos that it, it is chock full of story. It is both simple and just reflective uh, in, and it has so much character. I absolutely adore it, and. Uh, so welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for those kind words. Wow, you just made my night. <laughs> my pleasure. Um, anybody who is uh, listening to the show uh, can go visit uh, Angela's Instagram profile if you want to see the photography in addition to listening to the show. I would recommend everybody go to uh, Angela Douglas Photo for Instagram. And what is your website that they can check out? It's AngelaDouglasRamsey.com. Awesome. And I highly recommend everybody check it out. The The projects that she's work on, worked on, awesome. And, and let's get right into it. Um, so, so let's start with the first part, being an ex-creator. What has that been like? That's a new uh, quote-unquote title that Fujifilm has uh, announced this year. And what has that meant for you and your photography? And what does that entail? So that is something new for me. I mean, I didn't even know about it until really the call came out. And it's been really amazing. Just one, being able to connect with all of these other super talented photographers and chatting with them, the conversations, the access to the Fuji gear that I have has helped a ton with projects and just even being able to troubleshoot with them about things, my work being up on their website, um, having the possibility to do workshops, especially once we're in in person is another thing that I'm really excited about. And I love Fuji. So I would do this no matter what, because I just, yeah, I, I tell people that when I got my first Fuji camera, it literally was like an extension of myself and it it hasn't left my side since then. And I've just, I'm always talking about it 
am always trying to sell it to my friends. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I need to get a commission, please. Like, <laughs> I just am always like, oh no, you need the Fuji. Don't buy that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what are you using right now? Um, so I have the X-T3. I'm actually going to buy the X-T4. It's on my list of to-dos in the next week or two. And then I have the X-100F, which that one is my, that's my baby. Actually, it's my second X-100F because the first one I used it so much and I took it to the beach often and it got sand and just died on me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. X-100F has been, it is like the passionate choice among photographers that I've noticed. Uh, everybody will upgrade, but once they get to the F, there's something that makes them stop. I know Kevin Mullins adores his uh, Fuji X100F. Um, he, uh, I, everybody, anybody in the know has, has heard him on the show and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, but a lot of photographers really dig that X100F. What What is it about that camera that really speaks to you and, and is uh, preventing you from upgrading to the next version? So it's, I always was carrying like a really big camera around. And as a documentary photographer, I was carrying my camera everywhere with me. It was in the car. It was, I was like shoving it in bags and it was cumbersome. And so when I first got the X100F, it was so small and so light and it was quiet with the leaf shutter. I could be doing street photography. Sometimes people wouldn't even know I was taking their picture with my kids who I document almost every single day. It was so small and incognito that I could get really raw candid moments where before I couldn't. Yeah. And I also loved and, and I, I learned from that camera is that I work really well when I have, I guess I want to say like parameters, right? I mean, because it was a fixed lens and it was, so I was stuck in that box. And when I'm stuck in that box, I find myself really pushing myself creatively because I'm stuck in the box. Yeah. And, and after that, I actually put myself in a box all the time, not literally, but to mm-hmm. force myself to just be more creative within my spaces. So I've grown so much as a photographer and I sh- I'm a looser, I shoot looser. So I-, I shoot from the hip with it all the time. It's just, it's just amazing. You know, I mean, it really is. The limitations have allowed you to be more creative. Yeah, so much, so much more. I think before there was so many choices that I had to make and I was always thinking about it. And now I'm really just thinking about the shot and the camera is so intuitive to me because I learned on film. So every, when I got it, I was like, oh, this is so easy. You know, it was just, you know, it was like starting back in high school all over again. And I shot on film for, oh my gosh, 10 or 15 years. So it was, it was simple. Yeah. So let's go back ten or fifteen years to uh, <laughs> um, we'll we'll go back to the to the gear itself. Um, but so looking back, uh, you know, reminding you of your first photos. What were your first photos? What what got you hooked into photography? So I went to an art school that I actually teach photography at now. But I was a dancer, and I hung out with all the art kids. And it nice. always, yeah, it was super kind cool. Uh, modern. Right on. Yeah, it was fun. And where'd you um, go? Um, it's called the Governor's School for the Arts. 
Okay. So it's um, it's an amazing school. It's all types of visual arts. Um, they have such great students that come out of there. Um, one of the girls from Umbrella Academy is a GSA alum. The girl who has the lead role as Tina Turner on Broadway is a GSA alum. Just going to rave up my school. Um, yeah. Grant, what is it? The Flash? What is his name? Oh, Grant. Grant yep. He's a GSA alum. So, wow. Yeah, really. It, um, it puts out some amazing, talented artists in, in all forms. It teaches you um, how to be a hard worker, I think, and have discipline. And I think those are really great qualities in a school. And so... Yeah, I went there for dance. I danced every day for like five hours a day, but I hung out with the art kids and always had a camera. So I was always documenting my life. I have albums of high school and then graduated. What were you using back then? Oh my gosh. I have no clue. Some like point <laughs> and shoot something. Um, I got a Canon AE1 when I was, I think, 20 and moved yeah. to Mexico because I had a boyfriend who was teaching surfing in Cabo San Lucas. And so <laughs> I followed him and, and had my camera and film and, and I started shooting. We, um, we lived in Mexico for a while. We traveled up the PCH, lived in San Diego and then traveled all the way up to Vancouver Island and taught at a surf camp there. Nice. Yeah. It was a, one is a nice camera. It was a great camera. And, you know, I always tell this story because we were super poor. And at times when we were traveling, we were kind of living out of our car. And I think I shot like at least a hundred rolls of film and somehow always found the money to get it developed. I, that, that camera was, I mean, I documented our entire trip. It was amazing. I fell in love with photography during all of those travels. What and, was your choice of film uh, with the budget being so tight? I bet I bought Fuji. I bought Fuji back then. <laughs> and you know, what's funny is when I came home and I, I went to school for photography, we always were like Kodak or Fuji, Kodak or Fuji. And I was always, I think it was the colors and it still is like Fuji has great colors. <laughs> so there was. I will agree with, with that back. Uh, uh, there's only, this is going to make me lose some Fuji cred, but as far as like color colors go, I love, 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 love Fuji. Um, Kodachrome, I, I, I never got to use Kodachrome. It's only something that I'm looking back at. But the one film that I always used, uh, probably because uh, being a reporter and everything, was the uh, the Kodak T-Max. Yep, I remember. Uh, yep, I had that too. And, yep. and I, I still love that black and white. That is, I'm not very good at black and white, but that is the one that, is near and dear to me because I've taken some uh, m memorable shots for, for me personally. They're, they're not good shots, but they were memorable for me. <laughs> so it's it stuck with me. Uh, but yeah, the Fuji colors, awesome. Awesome colors, yeah. And so I came home after that and, and went to the local community college for photography. They had an amazing dark room and I... You know, I, I shot film. I actually learned how to develop color there and just continued. I, I didn't stop. I didn't put my camera down. And I think like all photographers, when you're always trying to figure out who you are, I mean, I think we're always trying to figure out who we are, but I think as a photographer, we're trying to figure out who we are as a photographer. And that, that took me about 10 years yeah. um, 
and documenting the entire time, but just not realizing that there was really like this, oh, I'm a documentary photographer. I, I didn't put that together. Um, so I did like some fine art and then I went through my portrait phase and lots of bokeh. It's still documenting the entire time. And then, and then really fell in love with documentary photography. And I, I mean, I haven't stopped. I, I photograph, I would say almost every day. Yeah. yeah. Probably every day. When, so when you graduated, did you, uh, did you immediately start doing, uh, were were you making a career out of photography? Like, where where were the next next steps as far as you, uh, your growth in there? Or did you stick with dancing? So I did not stick with dancing. I stopped dancing altogether. Um, I still I photograph dancers all the time, so I'm I'm still really immersed in that community. Yeah. And if you look at my self portraits, you can see a lot of my dance background in my self portraits, and I think that's just from being a performer, being on the stage and, and having that body awareness. So it's still always coming, coming through in my work. Um, so I, yeah, I, I mean, I stopped dancing. I, after college, I was bartending. So bartended and I met my husband while I was bartending and he yeah. had, yeah, he had two kids. So I, I kind of just stopped and started raising his kids and then we had kids yeah. And didn't start my really start trying to make a living until my son was like five or six, you know, because that was, we had four kids with his two and then my two full time. It was a lot. Like, yeah. I, there was, there was only so much I could do. <laughs> what were the ages? Because that will also to give you the limiting factor there. <laughs> <laughs> so when I met him, the, his two children were three and one. And wow. then, um, what Rose, I had Rose probably like three or three years after Kelly. So there was a time where we had four, you know, under eight. It was, it was a lot. That's a lot. It was a lot and to still be photographing. Well, there's still a lot to photograph, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as far as like making galleries and uh, anything like that, that, that does put a strain on things. And the fact that you were able to do that is, uh, I mean, it, it says a lot to your dedication and um, that that's pretty cool. So where was the next step after uh, you found, you, you got your footing in, in photography? Were you able to express yourself in like galleries or, or I, I, the art world is something that is completely foreign to me uh, or, or did you go commercial and like do, uh, more portraits and uh, other kinds of uh, gigs to sustain yourself? Um, I started doing portraits and was really into portraits for a while, but still doing documentary and then slowly evolving into getting into galleries. Like every once in a while I would submit to a local one and then every once in a while I'd get an image in. That was a big learning curve. I definitely... Um, I'm trying to think how to word this. I definitely made some mistakes along the way with learning how to work with the gallery. Yeah. But I've, I mean, now I have an exhibition um, actually with the Virginia Mocha in February and it's a group exhibition and I kind of have my footing now within that sort of gallery exhibition world. And it's amazing. I love that. I love that world a lot. So I'm, 
I'm doing fine art, but I freelance for the paper and I do commercial work and I still do portraits too. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. Um, I, I like to take pictures, so I'm okay with doing almost everything. There are some things that I'm not strong at, like I'm not good at landscapes or still life. So if someone wanted me to do product shots, unless it was a, a more documentary style, then I would probably say, yeah, I'm not your photographer. Right on. Yeah, but I'm totally willing to try and practice and learn new things. I, there's so much growth with learning new things. And, and so let's move a little bit uh, for, more forward. Um, when when were you doing the, the the portraiture? Were you what year was that? Was that into the digital scene yet? It was or in the still- digital scene. Yep. Because um, when I was doing film, I was doing a lot of fine art stuff. When I yeah. did film, was more fine art and documentary, and then. Digital came, I started doing portraits and always of kids, like the newborn sessions, I think smash the cakes for a little while, family Mm -hmm. portraits. And I still do family portraits now. They're a little bit more of a hybrid of like lifestyle documentary and then some post portraits, which is great. Um, And I have a really great client base here. I do um, fine art school portraits for a local Catholic school. And that's just helped get so many family clients and commercial clients. It's how I got to work for ODU, which is the university that I live next door to. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just curious with the jump into digital, what what, what did you uh, (laughs) say that again? I'm sorry. What, what, what what branch did you go? You go Canon or you go Nikon? So I went Nikon. Actually, when digital first came out, I was so anti-digital. I was like, this is awful. I, I was going them. to ask you about that. Like with, with Because you were coming from fine art, uh, th- there was a lot of resistance to it. I, you know, I've, I would read in magazines where it would be like, no, only, only film photography. Uh, and, and then over time, that uh, those reins loose into, well, you had to take the photo with a film camera, but you could all you could do some dodging and burning digitally. We'll allow that. And then to the point where it's like, all right, just, you know, whatever. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was super anti-digital, but I also, the community college I went to, I worked in the lab and I could check out all of their cameras for free. So we got digital cameras when I, I there's no way I could afford them, but I could check them out for like three months at a time. And that's a good amount of time. It was a good amount of time. It was really awesome. And so it just, it was easier. And during those college years, I was super poor and film and paper, and it's expensive. So having the it digital was like, oh, this is really nice. I have like a few extra hundred <laughs> bucks a month. Okay. And then I got a Nikon and then I got, actually my husband when we were still dating, ended up buying me a Canon He co- and converted me to Canon. And then I stuck Ooh, with Canon. <laughs> he didn't, I don't think he even knew that like when you have a certain type of camera, you, you know it really well. And he yeah. Bought, yeah. And so I just ended up learning Canon. And so right now I can like if any of my students, cause I teach high school photography, if any of my students have a Nikon or Canon, 
or, you know, a Fuji or some of them have Sony's, I can pretty much teach them how to use all of them. And that's a really nice skill to have. At this point, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Sony is the only one that I always am like, I have no clue. Like Sony's, I feel like are super backwards for me. Oh, they're, I mean, I hear stories of their menu systems. Um, uh, the, the, it's legendary. I, you know what? I've never used the Sony. That that is something that I've. Uh, it, it's not without being curious. It just I, I've never had the chance to hold one, use one. Uh, when I do weddings, there are a lot of videographers that are uh, using the the Sony system. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's not one of those things where I want to just hey, can I try that? Can I can I can I fiddle around with your gear? <laughs> Maybe break it um drop it I, i'm kidding about that part but uh you know it just, it, curiosity is there but never got to try it yeah i tried it once and it just wasn't for me uh yeah. you know and, and i think it's you know it's like finding a good pair of tennis shoes right it's like you just got to find the right pair and once you do it's like you just buy seven pairs of them and just roll with it yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's how I feel about my Fuji. So I was a Canon for a while until I got the Fuji. Um, and I'm just, I love Fuji. So I just will never switch. Yeah. You know, and that's at, a great feeling, I think, to have too. Yes. And at the start of the call, you you mentioned something that I think uh, it, it, it clicked with me, really resonated uh, in that you thought less and less of your gear and uh, that freed you up to think more and more about your project. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the feeling of it being an extension uh, just allowed you to, to produce more, uh, more work. So with the Fuji gear uh, in particular, like what, what is that, empowered you to do with your personal projects? Like what have you created that uh, Fuji just really allowed you to open up to? So over, um, I guess, quarantine, I started doing a self-portrait a day. And with my Fuji, it was so easy to, when I could just put it on the coffee table or I could stack up some books and I could set the timer and then I could, the process of kind of running back and forth for the self portraits was really easy. And also there was a good few months in the spring where emotionally I was not okay. And doing that one portrait a day, that one self portrait a day made, it gave me purpose. It gave me one thing to do and it being a very, just small compact camera also simplified everything for me, which made it not being like this big chore that I had to do in a time in my life where I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have been like, Oh, this is too much work. I'm not going to do it. But it was always on my coffee table. It always had a card in it. It was just so simple for me to just set it up and photograph and then, you know, upload and, I mean, I don't do many much tweaking to anything. Like the colors are so perfect. It's like, I'm just going to do like a little contrast and some sharpening and I'm good to go. Yeah. And that's 
lovely, but I'm also not a huge, you know, as a documentary photographer, I'm not like clone stamping or I'm not doing a lot of that heavy post work. It's pretty minimal. So that was lovely. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, how long have you been in the Fuji system? Like what, what, what year was your first camera? Oh, maybe it's been like, this has been like four years now. It's been four or five years now. I think it was right. I, I don't remember when the X100F came out, but. But around that time. Yeah, it's probably around that time. And I often use the cameras as a gauge of time as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, when did I get it? And, you know, when I got that camera, I I shot with it primarily. The, I, like, unless I had some commercial work, I would switch over to the Canon. But everything else I was shooting with the Fuji system. And now I'm trying really hard to just primarily shoot with the Fuji system. Um, so I am photographing the high school I teach at. We can't do yearbook pictures this year. And normally the school does the yearbook in-house. So it's, yep. a, it's a class I teach and the students all help me photograph it. And because it's an art school, the kids get to be so creative with how they want their portraits. It's not just a run of the mill. Like they come dressed up in costumes or the dancers have their point shoes on the instrumental. Yeah. The instrumental kids have, um, their, you know, their instruments and all that other stuff. So it's really amazing. And so I've decided this year to drive around to everyone's house. I didn't quite think how hard this was going to be when I did it. Cause it's 370 kids. Yeah. And they live all over Hampton Road. So it's like six or seven cities, but I'm shooting window portraits and I'm shooting it all with the Fuji system. And that's awesome. That's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. And so the springtime was, you mentioned it was particularly bad. Um, Challenging, I would say not, not bad. Bad is a bad choice of word. Um, (laughs) Uh, how, what, how else has COVID, uh, affected you, uh, with, with, uh, with your business and with, with, with the, uh, galleries? Um, I mean, you mentioned, you know, what, what it meant for the portrait work, but it kind you know, a, a lot of traveling involved. Yes. But it has become very creative endeavor, um, you know, with, with a lot more mileage, give or take, but, uh. But like, how else has uh, the, this pandemic uh, affected you? Um, I definitely lost some business. Um, I didn't, you know, do my normal university stuff. It was really hard at the end of the school year, not having closure with my students and not having closure with my seniors. So the seniors at the, the school, they actually have an exhibition. So they work all year. Um, finding a location and, you know, getting it catered and printing and matting and putting all of their work up. And all of these students didn't get to have that. And that was, that was really hard for me to swallow because I look forward to it every year. And these kids are my friends, you know, like I can be, I'm like a mom to some of them. I mean, I'm good friends with some of them still now. And they text me when something good is happening or they text me when something bad is happening. That was, that was a struggle. Um, having my kids trying to teach my kids was, was hard, but it also, I think being stuck at home 
forced me to be super creative. And I know some people say they weren't creative at all. I was like creative times 30. It was just like I say, it was spewing out of my pores. It, I literally would be going on walks with my husband every day and he would be talking about work and business. And all I would be doing was like working through pictures in my head and yeah. just, just constantly just really thinking about, about images, thinking about photography, growth within my photography. And that's produced this huge body of work of self-portraits that I have. And from that, all of that learning and work on creativity, I've started teaching a creativity class just to kind of help people understand my practice and how I stay creative, try to do creative things every day to push myself, putting myself out there. So those things have been great. I still have, like the falls, you know, picked back up. Um, like for you, I think the fall is picked back up. I had no jobs in the summer at yeah. all. So I just hung out with the kids and went to the pool and made pictures for myself and tried to be happy that it was warm outside <laughs> and I wasn't stuck inside my house. <laughs> Amen to that. And yeah. uh, as far as like the self-portrait uh, photos, uh, where is that? Where can people see that on display? Is that more uh, within your Instagram or? Uh, it's, are... it's, it's kind of throughout my Instagram. I have it public on my Facebook page. Um, it's kind of the only probably gallery that I actually have public. And I'm working on putting it up on my website, but I'm in the process of curating it yep. because it was two, it was like 250 images. So it's a little bit of multiple kind of bodies of work. So I'm in the process of just figuring out those bodies of work. And it well, was to work through. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a quite a bit. And it was, a, it was a lot emotionally to work through. I've, I'm not a self-portrait photographer. It's not something I normally do. I always photograph other people and tell their stories. So turning the camera on me was, uh, it was practicing vulnerability. So <laughs> that was being brave. <laughs> <laughs> and they're really good. I, I love the self-portraits that you have on your Instagram account. I mean, your Instagram account has a lot of great photos, period. But uh, uh, they're really awesome. Uh, one of the galleries that you have, I, I want you to tell me a little bit more about this one. Because this is uh, th there, there are two in particular that really, really resonated with me. The first uh, is Sarah of Whitestone. Can you tell me about that gallery? So that's my grandmother. Um, I've been photographing her for uh, maybe four four years now. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's amazing. And um, I it started with um, Whitestone is a town on the northern neck of Virginia. And it's this little piece of land on the Rappahannock River that I grew up going as a kid. And my kids go there now. There's no Wi-Fi. We we fish and we crab and we hang out with my grandmother. And so it started as this relationship that my kids and I have with her and this piece of property. And now it's just turned into this project about her. I've actually started recording her. So I go every two weeks right now and I go over her house and I interview her and, and I photograph her house and her, if we go shopping, I photograph her shopping. I'll photograph her for, as long as she's alive and we're, we're kind of best friends from it. I, you know, and 
if anyone's thinking about ever doing projects, I always tell people, think about doing things that are in your backyard, things that are easy to do. There are lots of things that I'd love to do that are 30 miles away, but I can't do that. But I can mm-hmm. photograph my grandmother and I can tell her story. And it's amazing. Her mother, when she was pregnant with her sister, actually had the Spanish flu. So like I'm learning things I never knew about her life. Wow. Yeah. That I mean, that was serious pandemic back then too. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of the reverse COVID. Um I think if I if, if the Spanish flu affected a lot more younger folks than than older folks, if if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think so. I think um, it was her oldest sister, and I think the baby passed away like three or four months from the Spanish flu. Yeah, but I had never known that there was even this sister, you know. So, wow. Yeah, the stories are really amazing. Just any, I love listening to anyone any old person who there's so much history within the stories, all of the things that she's lived through is, you know, I mean, what world war two, I think she was a spotter for world world war two. It's like a kid. And really? yeah, like, I was like, what does that even entail? I'm not quite sure. One of her brothers was on one of the ships that got bombed and died. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then her and her husband started a tugboat company uh, here in Norfolk. And, you know, she worked in the fifties and was a businesswoman and was tough. And you forget about it when she's your grandmother and she's feeding you ice cream for breakfast. But, <laughs> you know, she was like a really strong, fierce woman. And she still is in her day. I'll go over there some days and she's like, oh, well, I just told this person this, this, and this. And I was like, okay, <laughs> my grandmother does not need my help. <laughs> I should listen to her. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, just, and, and so you capture these wonderful tender moments. This one, one portrait of her, uh, she, it's, she's half of the photo. And then the, the remaining half looks like, uh, some sort of peer in the background, but like just that, that, that joy in her eyes, uh, you're able to catch that, you know, that, that mischievous smile, the, 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 the eyes telling everything about her. It's amazing. And it really, that, that getting that character is really something that you are amazing at. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really, it's a joy to photograph her. It's a joy to photograph anybody and to be able to tell their story. I always want to be as honest as I can about who they are and how they want me to portray them. And I just want to show her, you know, as a person that I love and how caring she is. So it's, it's nice. I miss doing that sort of stuff for other people. Like with COVID, I, I can't do that as often as I like. Yeah. And I, I miss it so much. I miss telling other people's stories. Like it hurts sometimes. I'll be like, Oh, I just want to go over and, photograph you for like a month and we'll hang out and become mm-hmm. best friends. <laughs> yeah. So that and, was, oh, go on. Yeah. So that I, I just miss it a lot. I think that's yeah. one of those things that I'm, I really miss. It really shows in your work. You have this great connection uh, that 
knowing what you just said, you know, being able to capture just these little moments, like one other photo of your grandma, that she is just doing something like, like she's in the background. There's just a single lamp lit and, and just something very simple. I don't know what it is, but that, that is just such a one tiny little moment that I, I don't even know what I'm feeling at this point. Like it, it, it's just, it, it looks self-reflective. Uh, she could be writing something on a piece of paper for all I know. I think but she's just, reading, if, uh, I think she's reading the Bible um, every night. Oh, so it is profound. That's yeah, good to know. <laughs> um, but it really, it, it just the way you capture it, 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 it seems, it, it just really speaks to you. And I'm also really fortunate that I have a grandmother that's willing to be vulnerable with me in front of the camera. And she also allows me to have access to photograph her at any time of day. And, and she's very comfortable in front of the camera. Now, every once in a while, she'll stop and kind of smile. But for the most part, she just lets me do my thing and she does her thing. And, you know, in a sense, we're having a conversation. I'm just not talking. I'm talking with my pictures. That's an awesome way to put it. It's a visual conversation. Mm -hmm. And I will steal that now. <laughs> and I think if you look at all of my work, I'm all of it, it's a conversation. All of it, I'm having a visual conversation because I'm expressing who I am. And with my grandmother, I'm expressing my love, right? Yes. With my self-portraits, I'm expressing who I am. And sometimes with those, I'm expressing parts of myself that no one's ever seen before through images. So I'm, I'm just telling a story of, of my life through my self-portraits. And, and looking through your gallery, that that visual conversation just fits your entire style. It is, I mean, that that's 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 an awesome description. <laughs> I'm a little lost for words. That's that's pretty awesome. I'm gonna write this um, down so I can remember to use this. <laughs> <laughs> There's one more gallery that I wanted to touch on before we have to sign off. Uh, but it is slowly drowning. Uh, it, it looks like you've captured uh, a lot of uh, floodwaters. Yep. So um, the neighborhood I live in in Norfolk, Virginia, is uh, pretty much sinking. It floods all the time. Actually, part of my backyard is constantly underwater. And I've always been really passionate about climate change. And... Again, it, I'm photographing something that's literally in my backyard and with my hectic life. I knew I had to, I have to be really careful about my projects, but I'm so passionate about this. Like I just was out like last week trying, you know, right now it's flooding at least once or twice a week, but it's fall, it's hurricane season and the tides are always higher in the fall for us. So we just have streets underwater. If we get a really high tide, it's my whole entire house is surrounded by water. They uh, FEMA will go in and lift certain houses that have had 
multiple like flood damages. There's one, two houses down for me that just got lifted. And so I'm photographing it. At first I wanted to kind of show what the damage was like, but I sort of changed my tune to say that, well, yeah, things could be, you know, things can be rough and like my backyard's underwater a lot and sometimes people's houses get flooded. We're adapting, we're learning how to live with the water and we're just, you know, we're making it work as a, as a neighborhood, as a community, we're finding ways to make it work. And there's so many really great nonprofit programs here, things that are going on. It's a topic that our children learn about and study about and find ways to make a difference. Like, you know, we're always planting certain plants that suck up more water and, you know, making sure that we're not doing things to, to harm the environment or to make the flooding worse. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a direct result of rising, uh, rising waters, right? It is. And also a, a meteor hit our area billions of years ago. And so that sediment has actually not fully settled. So it's like we're sinking just a smidge on top of the rising waters. And we are not below sea level. We're, we might be right at sea level. Mm-hmm. So there's... There's multiple different factors um, as to why it's happening. And my neighborhood, like if you watch any documentary that talks about sea level rise, you'll see my neighborhood. I mean, you see like five houses down from where I live. And what's crazy about it is that, so we have all of this stuff happening. And, you know, I mentioned that there's a, a whole group of scientists at the university where they do this thing called measure the muck, where they're measuring all the pollutants that are coming in the water from the water, from the river water coming up on the streets and then grabbing all of whatever leftover car residue and then bringing it back into the river. When we have these big flood days, it's like a snow day for kids. It's, you know, they're out playing in the water. Everyone has kayaks and paddle boards and, it's like a snow day, but we're just swimming through the streets. And it's so it's, it's this thing that's, it's scary and sad, but it's also fun at the same time. And then you literally have to bring your kids inside and throw them straight in the shower and wash them with soap and water. Yeah. <laughs> Every and time. So when, when this flooding happens, like, so how are, how are you able to, uh, because, because it looks like, it, at least in the photos, that there is a lot of flooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how are you able to get the photography done? Are you, uh, I mean, forgive me for being naive. Um, is it like really necessary to bust out the boats or uh, is a lot of it wading in water yourself or? I'm usually wading in water. I find it easier. We have a kayak, but. The kayak always, it's like a little wobbly. And so it's easier for me just to wade in it. So I I have like a pair of like crap tennis shoes that I end up wearing with like leggings. I don't even wear like the galoshes or the waders or anything. I just find it easier just to put those clothes on. And I go outside and I'm just, I tell my husband and kids I'll be gone for a few hours. And I, I walk around and I talk to neighbors and I take pictures and you know, there's some people that are I have on my contacts that will text me when we know there's going to be a high tide because 
they know their house is really vulnerable to flooding. And so I might go over there and photograph them prepping to get ready for the floods. Yeah. What they're doing. And, and we all are prepping if we know there's going to be a big flood. You know, we're moving things out of the basement or off our garages where everyone's parking their cars blocks away. And you see people who aren't from the area because this is a military town and they don't realize that their street's going to get that flooded. And then you see them the next day and their car is like completely submerged or, you know, college kids who think they can drive through the water. And then you see them just pushing their car back through the water like 10 minutes later. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about that when you don't live it, but when you live it, it's like, it's just like, Oh, the street's flooded. I'm going to go this other way. Yeah. And, and we just drive around and we're so used to it. And how has this uh, gallery been uh, received publicly? So I haven't really submitted it a ton. To be really honest, it's been a struggle because I felt, I felt like I didn't have a, a subject. And mm-hmm. I'm learning that the subject is the neighborhood. But I'm also... I've kind of started doing a sister project with it where I'm photographing it with um, Fujifilm and then I'm grabbing flood water. So I shoot a roll with each flood event and then I get the flood water from that flood event and I submerge the film in the water. Really? Yep. Um, for like three or four days and then I pull it out and I let it dry and then I get it developed. Interesting. Yeah, it was Initially, it was a really, it was very documentary, this story, but it was hard to find a family or a group of people that I could photograph that, like, it would be nice to have someone lifting their house, but it was, it had multiple different subjects. And when I look at the whole project, it just wasn't tying in well together. Yeah. It was really frustrating. Um, And then I, I had to like walk away from it for a few months and then I came back with this new angle of, okay, I can, let me just go a more fine art approach. And I love trying to put process in with my work. And I thought that was a a good way. That's amazing. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm still working on it. I could be a total dud, but I'm excited about it. So far uh, from what I've I mean, it really speaks. I, I, I love the reflections. I love the the the, the drama that uh, in some of the photos. And um, I, I I mean, my my opinion is, is very low on the world's totem pole. But <laughs> it's uh, it looks great. I mean, what, you. what you've done is fantastic. Thank you. Um. Yeah, it's fun. What? I mean, I love it. I love going yeah. out. Yeah. So Angela, I mean, I could, I could keep talking on and on. I mean, there, there's so much that we could touch base on, but uh, uh, we will have to save that for another time. Um, I would love to have you back uh, on the show to talk about uh, some of your future projects, what, what else you've been up to. Uh, but in the meantime, why don't you tell the world where they can find you on the web? So my Instagram is Angela Douglas Photo. And my website's AngelaDouglasRamsey.com. Instagram's always the easiest to check out my new work. I post daily and I'm always posting 
new stuff that I'm working on there, classes that I'm teaching, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's amazing work. I encourage everybody to check out the Instagram, uh, follow her and also check out her website. Uh, it's, it's all brilliant photography and you will not be disappointed. I assure you about that. Uh, Angela, it's all, it was awesome having you on the show. It was great to talk to you and, uh, I, I wish you, uh, all the success and all the luck, uh, that, and I can't wait to see what else you do. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. It was a nice Wednesday evening conversation. Right on. (laughs) So have a good night.